Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show, sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Wilsey. Well, hello and welcome to Smart Investing Show. I'm Brent Wilsey. Great to have you here. Actually, the first show of uh, 2003, and we got uh, another 2023. We're going back in the past. That's like 2003. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh! I, I guess it's earlier than I thought. We had not done this in a couple of weeks. Maybe I am not as part of that. So 2023. You're right. Sounds gosh. weird. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds very weird. So, but uh, got a lot, of, a lot of great shows planned. Got a lot of great information to deal with on 2023 here. Uh, Chase, we got a lot of things to talk about, and uh, we'll talk about. We're going to do something special today. It's the first uh, show of the year, and uh, we're going to talk about our predictions, what we see happening in 2023 on many different factors uh, today. Yeah, and as always, too, we'll probably be a little bit longer in our, our beginning part of the show, but back part, you know, always here to take your calls, especially now we're looking at an investment plan going forward. You got a, a stock you're looking at buying now that we're in a new year. You know, you can always call into the show here. And I, I just realized I don't have the phone number. I, I believe it's Sure. Around uh, there somewhere. Yep, it's uh, they moved everything. It's 833 Is that right? That's what it. Is. Oh, you you did that by memory. Yeah. Well, you know what we say: your memory's better than mine. It definitely. Well, is. Well, let, let me give that one more time because I was kind of guessing that. So it's eight three three two eight eight zero nine seven three. Again, if you want to call in a, about a particular stock or a financial question you may have, again, as we're looking here at the new year. And as you said, we got. Uh, oh, before we go into the outlook and predictions, we're going to talk about the economy, interest rates, real estate, Bitcoin, stocks, and bonds. We've got something very special coming up because you may say, yeah, 2022, how terrible that was. What should I have been doing? What should I do in 2023? Well, we have a workshop coming up on Thursday, January 19th, and we're going to show you everything that we did last year, actually for many years what we do, uh, and how to handle 2023. It's a free workshop, but you have to sign up for it. It's going to be Thursday, January 19th at 6 o'clock in Scripps Ranch at our new office in Scripps Ranch. Uh, you need to sign up. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Or you can call the office. Uh, I think we should probably ask for Bree, I guess. Yep. Yeah. Uh, ask for Bree. Just just call 858-546-4306. Uh, That's 858-546-4306. I say ask for Brianna, but actually it's a prompt. I think she's number on the list. I, I think she's six. Six, six. So, but just listen, Brianna, hit that one and then you can sign up for it. Again, it's Thursday, January 19th at six o'clock in Scopes Ranch. If you want to get a understanding of how to invest fundamentally, be prepared for this crazy year of 2023. I think you'll love the workshop. We've done thousands of these workshops now over the last, oh, well over 20 years. Uh, and it works. Yeah, so. no, it's a proven approach. All right, well, well let's start with our outlook and, and predictions for 2023. We're going to start with the economy. We got some great information here because just on Friday, we did have the jobs market re report. And, and the economy right now is very focused on two things, inflation and the jobs market. So let's talk about the jobs market because that is something that's very important to understand what's going on. The jobs report uh, brought plenty of welcome news as the headline payrolls grew by 200 
and 23,000 in the month of December, which easily topped the estimate of 200,000. Now, this was a decrease from November's gain of 256,000, but it's important to remember that we've been discussing a deceleration in the jobs market for months now. Areas that remained not included. Uh, they remained hot. Hot. We need, gosh, what is wrong with me today? That remained hot uh, and included healthcare and social assistance at 74,400. We knew this area was growing. Legion Hospitality, another one, up 67,000. And construction grew by 28,000. Interestingly, uh, Julia Pollack, uh, who is a chief economist at ZipRecruiter, pointed out healthcare has recovered to its pre-pandemic lit levels, uh, but now, uh, now it's pre-pandemic trend, and hospitality is now not still bad to pre-pandemic levels. Yeah, pre-pandemic. Too many, too many P's, too many P's, and that's so important because you have to look at healthcare again. Healthcare was booming before the COVID hit, right? And while it's recovered to the pre-pandemic level, the trend was it was growing very nicely, and then it got cut off. Right. So even though that's recovered, it's still below that growth rate. So I think there is still more room in the healthcare space to, to find those jobs and, and have people go into that field. And obviously, leisure and hospitality is huge, uh, especially since it's not near that pre-pandemic level. But on the downside, information jobs saw a decline of 5,000. And professional and business services actually saw a decline of 6,000 jobs in the month. Uh, kind of pointed out that the information jobs could have been due to uh, tech could have been some of those mm-hmm. large tech layoffs. But again, there was more than enough in other fields to recoup those those layoffs. And the other thing I look at here as well is the unemployment rate fell back to 3.5%, which ties the lowest level since 1969. Part of this does stem from the lower participation rate, which currently stands at 62.3%. That's a full percentage point below where we were in February 2020 before the pandemic. But again, it's still something that's a positive. I don't care if the participation rate's lower. Still mm-hmm. having a 3.5% unemployment rate is good. It I'm may not good. be as good, but it's still good <laughs> where we're at. Also, another measure that I found really interesting was the unemployment that takes into consideration discouraged workers and those holding part-time jobs for economic reasons. Well, that fell to 6.5%. This was the lowest ever reading in a data set that goes back to 1994. And this is people, oh, well, they had to take a part-time job. They really want full-time jobs. And you hear that, oh, it's not that good. This is a really good number to look at, you know, those discouraged workers and so forth. But the big thing that actually kind of fueled the stock market higher, in my opinion, yesterday was the fact that wage inflation was up just 4.6%. That was below the estimate of 5%. So that, that's a big positive there. Yeah, and that's such a big positive because that's been, and we'll talk more about the inflation side. And again, we've got so many things we want to talk about, try and get this all together, is that the reason why that's such a big thing is that we have seen inflation come down. But the uh, Federal Reserve Chairman Powell said that uh, he's not concerned on wage inflation. This is going to hurt the services and so forth. Well, actually, uh, that's not a, as a bad thing. So I, the market, I think, rallied because of that's one thing. We'll talk about the next thing in, in a minute here, um, is that, well, maybe he won't raise rates as much because they, they came out very strong. And part of my thinking is uh, on this is I think they came out very strong saying we're going to keep rates high till 2024 is because they don't want people just thinking, oh, it's only going to be for a month or two, and they'll go back to doing it before. He wants to scare people with his verbal 
things, I don't believe it's going to last with 2024 because the data is going to eventually change him and everybody else, uh, the, the seven board of governors. Yeah, and I have seen as well, there's like a Fed Chair Bostic and Fed Chair Esther George. She is retiring, so she's not going to be a voting member this year. Right. But they've also been very hard. But yeah. I, I think as we've talked about, there's going to be your generally you're going to have your your doves which right. are going to be a little more soft and then your hawks which right. are kind of where people are at right now last year everybody was a hawk they wanted to tame the inflation but now i think you're still going to have people that are hawkish but now you're going to start to have more doves coming in as well they're going to be a little more like maybe we shouldn't raise rates. Right. So I think you're going to start to see more of a divide in the Fed there. It, there's a term that uh, I, I've not heard used a while in, in, in the markets, but it's called saber, rat, saber rattling, where you're not really, you don't want to go to war, but you want to make people thinking under that. And I think the Fed is doing the same thing. They're not going to keep rates that high because the data is not going to allow them to do that, but they don't want people to think, oh, it's no big deal. So they're just doing a lot of heavy talk, a lot of hawkish talk, that things are going to stay high, and they will if things don't turn, but they are. There's some great information that came out. Uh, there's so much good information coming out that is just surprising to me uh, that they're not changing, but I understand why, because they don't want to change, and all of a sudden, oh, now we've got to increase again. So that's what they're doing. The other great news that came out that I think also <laughs> helped the market, what? Well, it's... It's great news for inflation, not great news for the economy. But. Well, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So, but, uh, but for the uh, for the for the for the inflation. Uh, and why the market also rallied was supply management. Uh, a survey that doesn't get a ton of media coverage is the Institute of Supply Management, known as the ISM, non-manufacturing PMI. This is an economic index based on surveys of more than 400 non-manufacturing or services firms, purchasing and supply executives. The recent report showed a reading of 49.6, which missed the estimate of 55 and down from 56.5 in November. And, and this was the first time since May 2020 the reading actually fell below 50. The reason that's important is a reading below 50 actually indicates a contraction in the service economy. The area that, that really stood out to me, though, was new orders received by service businesses. They fell to 45.2 from 56 in November, and that marked, again, the lowest level since May 2020 and actually was the weakest reading since 2009, excluding the collapse during the pandemic. That, that's a really concerning but beneficial number at the same mm -hmm. time because uh, obviously the inflation front. And again, the reason it is so important, we kind of talked about this a little bit already, but Fed Chairman Powell, he's pointing to the concerns of our price in increases in the service economy. That's something he says, ah, things are coming down on the good side, but we're worried about the service economy. But if the demand is not there, it's going to be harder for these service economies to raise their prices. And again, hopefully the Fed will take this into consideration at their next meeting. And I'm not saying they need to cut rates, but I think they just need to, again, I said this at our last show, just chill. Just yeah. let, let, let the rates kind of do their things and see how that impacts the economy. Because if you go too far too fast, that's where you get the hard landing. Right now, I think, again, a soft landing, a mild recession is still very possible. But you go too far, there's going to be issues. And actually, where in right now is that bad news is good news longer term yeah and that's what you have to kind of realize because if we have too good a news where again you know if we if we saw we talk about wage inflation was up just 4.6 percent if that had climbed six percent which would be great if you're getting wages that would have been terrible probably the market would have dropped yeah. uh, a thousand <laughs> points and they'd be raising maybe half to three quarters a point uh, i think they meet what january 19th or something oh that's our workshop yeah <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's the same maybe day. I, don't the same day. I don't know <laughs> but um 
but again, the, right now we want some bad news or not so good of news because that will create good news longer term is what we actually want. And again, the economies you talked about, two factors. One is the job market. Uh, you know, we had the JOLTS report come out last week as well. 10.5 million jobs up from 10.1 million. Uh, the previous month, still very strong. A lot of jobs out there. And uh, also, too, we have, you know, um, uh, inflation is is calming as well, which is important for people. You know, and I, I, I'm going to point out, I was reading this article this morning. I, I haven't talked to you about this yet, but somebody was kind of, I'm going to say, poo-pooing the, the job numbers. Oh, really? Because they were saying how the surveys are getting less responses from businesses than they normally do. Mm-hmm. Like if you go back pre-pandemic, same with the jolts, same with the, the um, establishment survey for the, the jobs that were created. But the thing that I have to say to that is that that's why you have to look at everything. You yeah. can't just be looking at one thing. You have to look at everything. And yeah, maybe the survey responses are down, but that's still data that we have to look at. You can't just right. ignore the data. You still have to analyze it and see how everything's working together. And, you know, I hate to say it, 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 it did come from a conservative site. And right. it, it, it just... I get sick and tired of people just playing politics. politics. And it's like, oh, the economy's so bad because Biden's in office. No, the economy's not that bad right now. Right. And it was the same thing. On, oh, the economy's not that good because Trump's in office. You, people, stop playing politics. Look at the numbers and understand where things are at. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying the economy's booming or anything. Right. But just people get way too political with looking at investing and the economic side of the equation. And, you know, our slogan has been no emotions, just results. Maybe we should change that to no emotions, no politics, <laughs> just results. <laughs> you know, well, again, we do get political. Right. And, and we do. And, we, and, and again, we will say things, uh, and again, I don't care who's in office, if they do something wrong for the economy or whatever, we'll, we'll say that. But it's not because we hate Joe Biden or because we hate Trump. It's because they're doing something wrong. And some politicians will do more wrong than others, yeah. you know, but uh, our, our job is kind of pull it out. But it's not going to be, you can't just focus on, and I know a lot of people hate Joe Biden, let's, let's be honest, I, I know that. But don't let that change your investment style because you think that, oh, it's going to be terrible because Joe Biden's in office. And you can complain about energy and what this administration has done about energy prices. Mm-hmm. And even though they say it's come down, it's still higher than it was before he took office, obviously. I understand complaining about energy because they have had a direct impact on that. But the labor market is still strong, not because of anything I think Joe Biden's done, but it's also not weak because of anything Joe Biden's done. So, again, politics, leave it out, look at the data. You know, so folks on the economy, we talked about the job market and so forth. I do, I do want to talk about tech uh, and tech employees because the tech business has seen a lot of layoffs and so forth. Uh, you, you've seen the headlines about all the, the layoffs and tech employees and maybe thinking this is bad for the economy. What the media does not show you is the other side. Yeah, and actually, you look at a recent survey from ZipRecruiter that actually shows that 79% of the laid off tech employees found a new job within three months. The job market remains strong, which I believe points to a recession that will be shorter and milder than other recessions we've had in the past. And this is kind of what I was talking about with looking at data from all sources. ZipRecruiter, it's not part of the BLS. It's a different source that you can extrapolate data from. And this is so important too, because you talk about all the massive headlines you're getting about, you know, Amazon laying off people, Meta laying off people, Snap laying off people, Salesforce laying off people. Oh, the, the list goes on and on. Oh my gosh, things are terrible. You have to realize that tech is now in every field essentially. Yeah. So even though they may be working as a software engineer, let's say, at a 
big tech firm like Salesforce, that doesn't mean that a healthcare firm, perhaps like a United Health or a Cigna or an Aetna or whatever it may be, well, guess what? They also need software engineers. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> so the nice thing is with the a lot of the skills that these tech employees have, they are applicable to a lot of other fields as well. Now, of course, there's going to be some changes to the job, but there's still training and there's still a need for tech outside of just the tech field. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, things are changing, and, and, and also too. And, and, and by the way, I do see uh, Eric and Alcohol. Uh, you can either stay uh, stay on hold. They will probably be in about another ten minutes or so. I do want to talk about Rivian Automotive because that's what he's calling about. So, if you want to continue holding Eric, you can do that. We'll we'll be about another ten minutes or so. But um, a- anyways, uh, shoot, now I lost my train of thought. Uh, you know, things are are, are going to do well in the economy going forward, but it's not going to be like oh, and, and we've talked about it. It's going to be the best recession you've ever gone through. I think we will have a mild recession, but it's very important in the economy to have uh, a strong job market, which is what we're going to have, and inflation declining, which is what we're seeing. And also to that wage report is very important because again, that's your services, which is actually also going to be tapering off, so to speak. And, and the thing I'm still interested to see is last year we, we hit two quarters of declining GDP. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think they've come out and declared if it was a recession or not yet. I haven't seen any news. Yeah, they, they used to do it afterwards. Yeah. When, when you're back into growth. Oh, you had a recession. Yeah, but the weird thing is you already had now the, the pop back up, so then it could technically be a double dip recession. But they were saying, well, you can't really classify it as a recession because the job market was so strong. So if we have another dip in GDP, are they going to say the same thing? Is it going to be, you know, there's yeah. there's so many technicalities with it. And that's what I'm just kind of looking at is the GDP growth. And, and technically last year we had a recession. Right. But are they going to define it as a recession? This year, if we have the same situation, is it going to be a recession? <laughs> you know, yeah. And, 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 and to me, it, it doesn't really, I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but it what really matters, again, we're, we're running a portfolio, we're investing a half billion dollars, so we want to make sure that we're doing the right thing for that. Yeah. You've got to look at wh- where you're investing the money. And, and when it comes to the economy, yes, the economy is important because if things are good, then people will spend more, they'll buy more products, yeah. which means more profits for the companies and so forth. The other thing too that we talk about, and we've said this before, it's still out there, about $21 trillion in liquid money and currency and, and liquid accounts and so forth. Back in 2019, it was only 16 trillion. So we, we tend to forget about that, uh, which is something that you can't forget about because, and you will hear the media, oh, you know, Joe Smith, you know, he had to go on his credit cards and so forth. You know, maybe people are listening to us more to where they're using their credit cards like we've done for years for the cash rewards, and we put it on there, we paid off every month. Yeah. They say how much credit cards are being used. They don't say how much is being paid off because yeah. I think everyone should use a credit card with a cash reward because it's free money. I think if you don't doing it, you're missing a big benefit. I, I won't even tell people how much I get in cash rewards. It, it's probably more than some people make in a year. Well, I mean, I, I, can tell, do, yeah. I can tell people like for my charity, I yeah. put everything on the credit card. Yeah. And uh, last year, just for spending on the charity, and my charity is not very large by right. any means. We, we do about 40000 in donations is what we right. get. I got $1,200 in cash back yeah. just for spending on a credit card. And I tell people, no fees, no interest, because I paid it yeah. off every month. There was no penalties, no nothing, just a free $1,200. Right. So it's like, yeah, credit cards are a great thing to use, but they have to be used properly. And the thing why I like it so much, too, is it's tax-free. It's the only thing I can get that the government doesn't tax me, the 50% tax rate that I pay. So it's just something that, uh, again, maybe that's part of it. People are getting smarter because if you're trying to, you know, pinch your penny, so to speak, why not use a cash reward card? And and 
I, I mean, I, my, my one Wells Fargo one, which is 2% cash back. Um, if I wanted to, every month I could get back hundreds or thousands of dollars. Why not do that to save pennies? You know, so uh, maybe that's happening as well. People getting smarter using that. So, yeah. Well, let's move on from the economy to talk about uh, interest rates because interest rates are getting a part of it. You I know. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I was just going to say yeah. the economy, I, I do think be prepared. There's going to be bumps in the road. There's going to be a lot of negative headlines. Yeah. And But the thing is, people always correlate the term recession with, I think, the great recession of 2008, 2009. There's a difference between 2008, 2009 and other recessions. I think that recession we're going to see this year is going to be in the other category. Right. So, and, and the other thing, too, I'm glad you brought that up because the other thing, too, is that I tell people, focus on not what's going to happen in February or March. Focus on December 31st, 2023. That's what we're focused on in our portfolio because we know there's going to be volatility. We know there's going to be turbulence. Don't worry about it because the fundamentals are there on the investments if you're doing proper investing and also the economy to get us through 2023. Part of that factor will be interest rates. And uh, again, you know, they have come out and said they're going to keep rates higher, longer. Uh, they're going to go now, I think they said up to five, five and a quarter. That doesn't mean they can't change yeah. because the data changes and stays changed. They will say, okay, well, let's pull back a little bit. So don't think you know, like, oh, this is definitely going to happen. It may not happen. We, we talked about this before. The same thing happened in 2018, yeah. uh, where it was a terrible end to 2018. And then two, three months, it, it turned around. Same thing can happen here. I really think that the Federal Reserve is talking very tough talk so that they, people don't think, oh, everything's fine. They want people to pull back, and people will pull back because they think there's a recession coming up, which means that that's better for inflation. And I, I think right now they have baked in another like three hikes or so is yeah. to get to that yep. five and a quarter-ish target, and that's kind of their terminal rate they're saying where they'll leave it there. But the thing you have to look at is that should be another three meetings. I'd be shocked if they came out with a half percent increase. I, I think that would be just foolish to do yeah. that. A quarter point, I don't think they should do it, but I think that's what they're going to do at their first meeting. Oh, you for January? Yeah. I, I, I think they're going to do a half. I, I, think I, I think it's the wrong thing to do. Yeah. But I think because they talk so tough, but that'll be the last time they act tough. Yeah. So I mean, we'll, that, we'll so that means that then they would have to hike rates one more time to get that five and a quarter. Yeah. Because I, I, I just, I don't know. I think it's just, you're moving way too quick here. And the thing is, my viewpoint is, I don't think they'll do that last hike. I, yeah. I think they'll do this right. one perhaps, and then there should be more data. And the way we've seen inflation coming out, I would not be surprised. And especially now you're lapping that huge yeah. inflation in 2022. I think it's not going to be that bad. I, I hope that I'm correct on this and that they'll chill and wait until right. the end of the year to kind of see where things are. At. And, and if we got a huge spike in inflation, yes, absolutely. It's warranted to, I think, hike again. I'd rather be cautious than be too aggressive and put that gas pedal to the metal as they're kind of going about it right now. People that are anticipating a rate cut this year, I do not see that happening. We we could in the end of the year. Uh, if they go possible. If they if they do another 75 basis points, maybe they'll cut it a little bit. Yeah, they, I think that'll be too yeah, much. Yeah, because I think it'd be too much. And again, I think they will hold strong. And this can change. This is one thing about yeah. predictions. You can't do it and then it's like, okay, let's go on vacation now. We are constantly reading, listening. Uh, understanding, interpreting what's going on. So this gonna everything we said today on on what they're gonna do on the Federal Reserve could change on Monday or Tuesday because they came out with something different. So, but right right now we're we're kind of we, we think I I think a half point, you think a quarter point that could change uh, next week. But again, we'll keep you posted here on the through our newsletter and also through the radio show. And by the way, the newsletter is free. If you want the the newsletter, go to our website smartinvesting2000. 
smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. But we do have the great information on there about the employment numbers. We also have things on there about uh, Costco stock, uh, California energy. Uh, we also talked about uh, green energy. So many different things there, special purpose acquisition companies, the SPACs. Uh, we talked about those. So again, if you want that free newsletter, go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. So, you know, again, with interest rates, I, I think we will see them come up somewhat. Uh, I think we'll also, I think we've seen the peak on short-term interest rates on the the, the, the six-month and the nine-month yeah. uh, treasuries. I think you've seen the end of, of those rising. I still believe it's the wrong thing to do. Like, oh, I'm just going to be safe. I'm going to go and get a two-year treasury at 4.5%. I think that's wrong because of the opportunity cost you're missing investing because at the end of two years, you've missed better returns on, on, on your investments. And then what do you do at the end of the two years? Things will be higher then. So yep. I think that's the wrong thing to do on interest rates. So yep. with that, uh, we come up with the real estate because real estate uh, has come back a, a, a fair amount now. I mean, we've seen rents come down. We've seen the price of homes come down. Uh, a lot of that is because of the interest rate environment. Um, I have said that I don't believe this is the year to purchase a home. Now, I will always say, if you have a family, you're trying to raise a family, you wanna be in a nice school district, you wanna have a home for your family, yeah, go ahead and buy a home. But you're probably not gonna do very well on it for, for years, but you don't care because you wanna have a nice home to live in for your family. Oh, no, I kinda look at it too. You don't make money necessarily off of renting, it's still an expense, the home's an expense at the mm -hmm. end of the day, so don't view it as an investment necessarily. If you are viewing it as an investment, I think you'd want to wait a little bit. Yep. But the the thing as well with the, the real estate is that there's always going to be deals out there. Don't get me wrong. You can yeah. still find valuable real estate. And, and the funny thing that I, I wanted to point out with real estate is these public REITs. I, I think you can find a lot of value in, in public REITs. And this is kind of a cross between real estates and stocks. But again, the public REITs, they own real estate and there's different fields you can buy. Some of those have fallen now 50, 60%. I think there's a lot of value there. The reason I wanted to point that out is the housing market has not fallen that much. Right. The reason I think the REITs on the stock market have fallen a lot more is because, again, it's a lot more liquid. You can get a lot more trading activity where with hard real estate, it takes longer for it to fall, where mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a slower move. And I think the same thing could happen where the REITs bounce back up, even though the real estate in the actual like residential market could still be declining the rest of this year. And Chase, it's very important to, to know there's more, when we say real estate, we encompass a lot of different yeah. things. We, we talk about the residential market, you talk about the office market, you talk about the entertainment market, you talk about the medical market. I mean, there's many different types of real estate you can go into. doesn't mean all real estate's bad. It's just that we saw this big, big run up in residential you know, real estate that it's not gonna continue at that pace. Yeah. And again, it could, we said this about technology. Oh, it's gonna go higher, higher. Eventually just pulls back and it may be that way for years. And I just don't see any big gains coming up in real estate. And when you take into account the expenses of maintenance, uh, the expenses of insurance, of property taxes, you know, you put all that together, it's like, eh, maybe real estate is not a great investment right now. Yeah. Great place to have a home and raise a family, but maybe not a great place to for someone like myself where like, I, I don't need to raise a family. I've done that already. I, I want to make sure I don't get into something and then like three years later, like, gosh, you know, I'm still not even underwater. Underwater. Yeah. yeah. So, so real estate again, uh, not buy a home for investment purposes, only if you want to have a great place to raise your family. Let's move on to Bitcoin because Bitcoin, well, I, I think the days of Bitcoin are over. I put it in here because I still see it pop up and so forth. I think what made Bitcoin so popular 
was that it kept going up. Yeah. It's not doing that any longer. It's been at what, 16 to 20,000 for how many months now? I can't yeah. even count the number of months. And you, and I, and you keep seeing <clears throat> new companies uh, going bankrupt that did yeah. with, with a grace, it was a, you know, grayscale's not going bankrupt, but I think they're, but they're like way, way lower than way lower. Yeah. yeah. And there was one that I read, I think it was Silvergate or something that I think they filed bankruptcy because somebody did like an $8 billion withdrawal from them. Uh, so the, the days of Bitcoin I think are over. It'll still be there. But what made Bitcoin successful was it kept going up day after day after day and, and the fear of missing out. Well, now that's not going to happen. And I think you could see Bitcoin this year fall to maybe even 10,000. I was going to say, I would not be surprised to see Bitcoin under 10,000 this year because, again, the excitement is gone. The only yep. variable here is that I, I, I saw somewhere that it was like 60% of Bitcoin that just isn't moving. And that's why I think you're there's nobody really buying it, but I don't think those 60% are the believers. They're not selling it. But the problem is you're not getting new people into it anymore because it's not exciting. Right. Like there, There's nothing there. And I've talked about this, and I'm very passionate about it. It's nothing. I don't understand <laughs> what the point of it is. I understand that blockchain has a use, but using the blockchain on Bitcoin, you can use blockchain in so many other ways. The blockchain technology can be replicated. It's not like Bitcoin's the only blockchain tool right. out there. So it, it's just, it's nothing. And it kind of pulled this up here. Since the beginning of November, it's been about trading from even worse, about fifteen to eighteen thousand. Hasn't right. really <clears> gone <throat> back to twenty thousand since before that, and even before that, it was trading in a window of like eighteen to twenty thousand for a few months. So it just—it's not moving, and yeah. I, I think that's the allure that brought people in. Uh, that allure is gone, and I don't think you're going to see any catalyst that pushes it higher. And I, I, you know, there's more talk of regulation and stuff coming mm -hmm. in. I still think more regulation would be bad for Bitcoin. Yeah, because it, it takes away one reason why you bought Bitcoin was because you don't want to be part of the government. So uh, the other thing too is you talk about uh, a lot of it's not trading. How much of that is just lost to where people <laughs> don't have the password, they can't get into it, and and the excitement is gone for Bitcoin. And there's a lot of people that got burnt really bad. They'll never go back to Bitcoin. I don't care what happens with it. So you've lost that that uh, person that was a gambling type that lost their money. And also, too, all that free money that was in the economy. We still have, again, we got a lot of money in the economy, but not like before. People getting checks from the government for 2000 3000 Oh, let me do something crazy. Let me buy Bitcoin. Yeah. That, that's gone. So so I think the time of Bitcoin is, is going down. And that lost password thing, you think about it, that's an exponential problem. Because more people aren't going to find their passwords. Yeah. More people are going to continue to lose. If, if Bitcoin was a thing, 200 years from now, you could have like 80% of it not trading because, people, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, that's a very high, you know, number, but it's a possibility. And that's right. why it just doesn't work. And, and I think that every day, maybe somebody loses their Bitcoin password. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and it keeps going. <laughs> Eventually, nobody, well, nobody has their password because they, they forgot it. And I think that's why these other companies came out like FTX and what a Coinbase. Coinbase and stuff because people didn't go to the what digital wallet, whatever. So they tried to make it easier, but they actually destroyed it because- They were frauds. They were frauds <laughs> and they were losing money. And it's just like, yeah. So so Bitcoin is, uh, we'll say so yesterday. Yeah. I, I don't think it's going to do well So 2022. Yeah. Stocks. Well, stocks are something that uh, this year is going to be a, a, a difficult year if you're just going to try to play what I call the couch potato where you're just going to sit there and let me show the indexes and be fine. I don't believe the indexes will do very well, not only this year, but years to come because they, like the real estate side, they had such big buildup. And also we've talked many times about the overconcentration of technology where you had about five companies making up about 23% of the index. 
Well, they're starting to come down. Even you said uh, Microsoft uh, CEO Nadella yeah. uh, came out. And what did he say? that uh, He said it's going to be a, a rough couple of years for tech. Yeah. And he was talking about like tech stocks, it sounded like. Not even talking yeah. about like the tech companies, but tech stocks. And that's a really weird comment for a CEO to make. And I, I haven't looked into it, but I saw it as a headline. And again, I always tell people to be cautious of the headline. So I'd want to look into it a little bit more. But it's just a weird thing to say. And I, I agree with it. I mean, Microsoft is still expensive. I don't care how you frame it. It's expensive. Apple is still expensive. Tesla, even with the decline, still expensive. I saw a note from uh, Bill Miller, who's uh, another fund manager. He's shorting Tesla even after the decline because he said it's still larger than the next five largest auto companies. Yep. It makes no sense. It makes and, no sense. And again, Tesla, people say, oh, it's a tech company. You can't make that argument anymore. There is no difference between Tesla's tech and GM's tech. Yep. They are on the same playing field. So either GM's a tech company or Tesla's an auto company. One or the other has to give or they have to meet in the middle. Right, right. And, and, and these are things you have to look at is what you're paying for a business. And that's all we've talked about. And people said, oh, you were wrong on Tesla and so forth. Well, it takes time to be right. And, and when I've been managing money, it was never for like a year or two. It was for 5, 10, 20, 30 years, many time. Lifetime is what I actually yeah. have about. So, yeah, we were wrong on Tesla for for a couple years, years. Um, I, I hate to say it. I think Tesla, I've heard people say, oh, Tesla target for sell price, 90. Yeah. And these are people on air talking about it, not, not us talking about it. Because, again, we still say they're too pricey. And if you're going to be investing in 2023, it's back to the fundamentals. It's back to saying real investing, you want cash flow, you want dividends, you want to not overpay for a business. You want to make sure that you're getting a good price on that business you're investing into. And then if you can make an 8, 10, 12% over the next year, wow, you're going to be happy with that. The, the days of investing in a technology company. Uh, making 20% a year. No, I was going to say 30 or 40% yeah. a year <laughs> are, are, are gone. And there will be some crazy thing that comes out that does that, but that's not how you invest. You've got to have that diversified portfolio that's still concentrated, as we talk about, and we'll mention more about that in the workshop. Um, but, you know, it's it's we talk about 15 companies in a portfolio. Yeah, no, it, it's important. I, I think, again, <clears throat> I'm looking at the markets. I, I think this year you're going to have a mid to high single digit return for the S&P 500. I, yep. I think you could see that. But the problem is that doesn't recoup the loss from last year. I think you're good value stocks. I think you could do mid double digits. I, I would not be surprised to see the right stocks do well this year. They got beaten up unfairly last year. Tech got beaten up fairly, in right. my opinion. I don't think it's going to come back. And one thing I was thinking about yesterday was actually people, oh, I'm going to wait for things to come back. That could take you years. And right. I was thinking, my, my saying here is, a bad investment doesn't become a good investment overnight just because it went down. Right. You need to make sure a good investment can go down, but you want to make sure you have those. You need to look yourself in the mirror and say, why am I holding this company? Yep. And if you can't come up with tangible reasons for it, it's probably a bad investment <laughs> and you need to get out of it and find a good investment. <laughs> yeah, the, the thing is like, oh, it's a great company, it's a great business and so forth. Uh, and. and I mean, Apple and, and Apple yeah. will continue, I believe, to fall. It's a great or not company. move or not move. It's a great company, but it's still I think it still trades at 21 times for earnings. Uh, something like that. Yeah. I know I know yeah. it's selling it's, the 20s. Yeah, and, and we'll see what happens. But and the other thing, too, the earnings seem to have flatlined. Yeah. So so we'll see what they come out with for 2024. Their, their calendar year, their fiscal year. Uh, their fiscal. fiscal. And I believe that there's rumors June. that they might actually have a decline in earnings in the last quarter. 
And that's going to be hard to say a growth company. Yeah, you're worth a higher multiple, yeah. but yet your earnings declining. Mm, that could, yeah. that could be we'll bad. have to see how the report goes for them. And then one thing Apple doesn't do is that they don't really provide Outlook anymore, right? which is kind of, I think, beneficial because a lot of times companies provide Outlook and it dings them. But the problem is it could really ding them on a report if they do miss expectations because yep. they're not providing guidance. If they come way out of line, that's going to be an issue. Yeah. So, so the big thing on stocks, we think for 2023, the indexes are not going to be a place to make money. Uh, we don't think growth is going to be a place to make money. You've got to be very smart as far as what you're doing, investing into, find businesses that have good dividends you're not overpaying for. I mean, gosh, we have companies that we, we have and been buying that uh, are, are paying a four to 5% dividend. So if you get a company paying a 5% dividend and the stock is at 10 and it moves to 11, you just made a 15% return. Yeah. So it's not that hard if you do it properly. And also too, look at December 31st, 2023. Don't look at February, March. Because it could go from 10 to 9, but yeah. then go back to 11 by the end of the year. So. Exactly. And lastly, we'll wrap it up with the predictions for bonds. Uh, do not believe that uh, 2023 bonds are the place to be short-term or long-term. I think we talked earlier, if you do the short-term bonds uh, to get that 4% yield or whatever, uh, you're going to miss something that you should be buying now on sale that will do far better two years down the road. And don't mistake me here. I don't think bonds are a bad place to be because it's not like the beginning of last year where I saw huge rising interest rates right. and I was going to ding, I don't think you're going to see, you know, 10, 15, 20% losses yeah. in bonds this year. The big reason bonds, I don't think are the place to be, as you said, opportunity cost. Yeah. You're taking a 4% gain, let's say, and maybe sacrificing an 8, 10, 12% gain in good quality companies. Yeah. And, 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 and again, you're, you're not going to see big gains. Uh, you, I, I, my prediction on bonds is you may lose 3% maybe make 3% on bonds because our rates could go up a little bit more, which would cause, you know, rates up, bonds down. So that could hurt the, the bond side as well. Uh, perhaps it'll stay flat by December 31st and you get your, your coupon rate of maybe 3% or so. So yep. uh, just would not have anything in bonds. I'd still be, if you need liquidity, put it in cash. I mean, there's other things you can do, but do not do it if you're investing for longer term or you're concerned about the market. And people do this all the time. They get concerned about the market and they, they go cautious. I'm going to wait out the storm. Well, you just missed some great buying opportunities by waiting out the storm, but you do have to buy the right companies during that storm. Yep. So, well, that that's it for the outlook and predictions. Gosh, I, we spent more time on that than we thought, but I want to make sure we cover it uh, quickly for you. If you have any questions on that or, or things we didn't cover you want to know about, you can give us a call here at the radio show today, 833-288-0973. That's 833-288-0973. Um, Eric, if you can hold just a little bit longer. <laughs> I was going to say, I think we should go. We can make Harrison wait a little bit. Okay, I think. okay let's do that. Okay. Eric's been waiting for a long yeah, time. Yeah, Eric's been waiting for a long time. So, so let's do that. Again, the phone number is 833-288-0973. Let's go out to Eric and El Cajon. Eric, you're on the Smart Invest Show Brent Chase. How can we help you Good morning, gentlemen. Happy New Year. Well, Happy New Year to you as well, and, and thank you so much for waiting so long. We, we apologize for the long wait, but we want to get everything out there that uh, we did on our predictions there. No problem at all. So I'm calling about the Rivian Automotive Company, symbol R-I-V-N. Okay, and do you hold that, or are you looking at buying it? Uh, I hold the vehicle. I'm an owner of the vehicle, <laughs> and I'm looking to maybe buy the stock. Do you like the vehicle? How long have you held the vehicle? 
I've had it for about four months, and I absolutely love it. It's the best vehicle I've ever owned. Cool. Well, that, that's, a, that's a good uh, endorsement for the car. So, so let's take a look at uh, Rivian Automotive. Their symbol is R-I-V-N. They are an auto manufacturer. They do have a high percent of float uh, short, which means a lot of people are shorting it. 12%, uh, we'd normally see 2 to 3% on the float side, so it's kind of high in Rivian, which means there's people think the stock's going to go lower than currently. Uh, they they ha have no P.E. ratio versus 10.5 for the industry because they have no earnings over the last 12 months. Their price to sales, very expensive, 14.4 versus 0.6. Price to book value, 1 versus 2.9. That's a positive but there is no price of cash flow because they have no cash flow and also no peg ratio, which is not good. Now, over the last year, five years, no earnings growth because they had no earnings. The industry over the last year did grow their earnings by 52%. Sales for Rivian, here is one positive, up 1,807% versus 27% for the industry. But you got to put numbers into perspective. If you have a very low number, it's very easy to have that big percentage growth if you get from – I'll say it's much easier to go from – 10 to 15 to go from 15,000 to, you know, 20,000. I'll put it that way. I Makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> 10 to 15, then 10 to 15,000. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hard to grow a bigger number than yeah. a smaller number. That, that, that's the point I'm trying to get across to there. Uh, they do not pay a dividend. Uh, their balance sheet, they got a good current ratio, 6.8 versus 1.5 means they have a lot of liquidity so they can pay their bills, not being forced into bankruptcy. Debt to equity also very good, 0.1 versus 0.9. That's a positive. Uh, net profit margin, this is a big po uh, uh, problem. Uh, a negative 714 versus a positive 6.4. They're still losing a lot of money building these vehicles because they don't have a lot of them going out yet. So that the costs are still very high. Uh, and then return on equity, a negative 48.8. Uh, Chase, what do you got going for it? Yeah, so current price here for Rivian, $16.40. Here's that 52-week high of $89.27. And I know at one point it was trading over, I think, $110 a share close to its IPO. 52-week low, though, $15.84. Year-to-date already down 11% just in a, a few short trading days here. And one-year return down 81.2%. The market cap for this business, now $15.1 billion. If we go forward for Rivian, though, I go out to, we're still going to go out to December 2023. I see estimated earnings per share of negative $5.55. Even if I go out to 2024, because it's going to be coming up here in a few weeks now, still negative $3.39. So this company is still, you know, very risky. You might like the car. Hopefully other people like the car as well there, perhaps. But the thing is, are they going to be able to get ramped up enough to, to justify still a $15 billion market cap? That's not a small company, no. especially for a startup. And you saw, I think, this past week, they missed their deliveries. But their deliveries are, like, very small comparatively. If they can't sustain that, you can you saw how crazy the stock can move in such a short time frame. I don't see the stock going up to 50, 60 mm -hmm. or anything like that. I don't know how much more downside there could be in the short term necessarily but it, it's it's a big question mark that's right. not how i like to invest i guess it, it, it's a question mark it's a growth stock it's it's kind of like gambling you, you don't know enough about the business practices the deliveries their manufacturing facilities and how those are going to be able to be viable against other competitors at this point and, and while you like the the 
And it's a truck. It's not a car. They don't make cars. I think they just make trucks. And a truck and SUV and, and uh, delivery vehicles. I saw one right. for Amazon the other day. Yeah. I saw one for Amazon as well. You can tell by those. I, I'm sorry, Eric. I don't like the front of the cars. I don't <laughs> like those headlights. They just look like cartoons to me. But anyways, um, the thing you want to look at as an investor, though, a lot of competition. I mean, the Tesla truck's not come out yet. Uh, you know, GM has come out with a Hummer. Uh, Ford's coming out with the F-150. Oh, they already got the Lightning out. out. So they've got so much competition. Ram's coming out with theirs now, too. I saw Ram. It's a six-seater, which is wow. yeah, which is pretty cool. So there's a lot of cool competition out there, and it makes it very hard for a company like Arivian to ever get to profitability. So uh, I would say enjoy the vehicle, maybe buy another vehicle, another Rivian down the road, but I just can't say buy the stock because it's it just too much competition. And, and again, their losses will continue to mount and eventually you'll start seeing the debt rise because I'll start borrowing money to stay in operations. So And it could work out, but again, it's, it's a gamble. It's, it's not a high, like very high gamble. Yeah. yeah, there's just too much competition in, in this area. And when you're, when you're an investor and you have a business, you don't like competition because you want to be the only one that has it. And, and, and again, Rivian, uh, there's nothing that much different from it that, that makes it where it's worth an investment for you. Alrighty. Thank you so much, gentlemen. I appreciate it. All right. I'll look for you on the road on that Rivian. I'll look for those headlights. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, Eric. Have, a, care. have a happy new year. All right. Bye-bye. All right. That is open the phone line, 833-288-0973. <laughs> That's 833-288-0973. Let's go to our financial planner, Harrison Johnson. Good morning, Harrison. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, guys. I'm doing well. Happy New Year. Well, Happy New Year too as well, and uh, thanks for holding a little bit longer. We want to go to Eric there. To, you've been holding a little bit longer than you were. But um, anyways. Uh, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> today, uh, for the New Year, we're talking about the Secure Act of 2.0, 2.0. Why don't you talk about that? So um, I was going to talk about a few points, but this act has so many different provisions. It's probably going to take me a few weeks to kind of go through it and then, um, you know, have different points for it on the show. So I wanted to talk about just one of the main points that a lot of people were anticipating. But um, <clears throat> the SECURE Act 2.0, it finally passed. Um, the first one passed in 2019. So it's been a few years in the making. And it's part of this Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2023. Um, there's a lot in this law. It's over 4,000 pages, and it comes at the low price tag of only $1.7 trillion. So there's a ton of stuff in there. <laughs> hey, we were spending um, $6 trillion a few years ago. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, we're doing good. We're cutting back. <laughs> we are decelerating the losses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the main point I wanted to talk about um, that I've, I've been talking to people about this for a couple years now is the RMD age. So before the first SECURE Act, it was... 70 and a half so when you reach 70 and a half you have to start withdrawing money from your retirement accounts so 401ks uh, traditional IRAs um, all those four, uh, 403b's 457's all those accounts you need to start withdrawing money um, even if you don't want to and whatever you withdraw is taxable and every year you get older you have to withdraw a little larger percentage of that account so you know as you go through time those distributions get larger and larger and it can push you up into higher tax brackets. So it used to be 70 and a half, and then in 2019, the first SECURE Act came through and it increased that age to 72, which um, was a good thing because that gives you a little bit more time. And now with the passage of this SECURE Act 2.0, it's being increased again. So the way it's gonna work is it's being phased up to age 75, but not all at once. So 
If you turned 72 last year, you had to take an RMD, and for you, there's going to be no change with this bill. This year, you're 73. You're going to take your RMD, and, and you're just going to continue to do that. So if you turned 72 last year, no change. If you turn 72 this year, now your um, RMD age is going to be 73. So for people born in years 1951, 1959 your rmd age is going to be 73 for people born in the year 1960 or later your rmd age is going to be 75 and so in in the law this is being phased up um, by 2033 but that's the the key point here if your birth year is 1960 or later you get the benefit of now having an RMD age of 75. And when we look at retirement, one of the hardest parts about retirement is dealing with the taxation of it. Um, All the different income sources are are generally taxed in different ways. So how do you structure those different income sources to make sure that, number one, you can continue to grow your money and have the income that you need, but also how do you avoid the tax side of that? So one of the most difficult parts of that is handling these RMDs. So with extending the age, that gives retirees more time to defer tax, allowing larger nest eggs. Um, there's more time to make Roth conversions, more time to realize capital gains. And this should result in less overall taxes being paid in retirement as long as you plan appropriately. So this piece of the SECURE Act is positive. There's a lot of other things that I think we're trying to be positive, but are not necessarily going to be turning out to be positives. And then there's a lot of, you know, stuff in that $1.7 trillion that um, we're going to be on the hook for paying these taxes. So you want to make sure that, uh, you know, you take the good where you can and, and you um, take advantage of it as much as possible. And, and Harrison, I'm so glad you you broke it down by the birth date, you know, like you said 1960, because I was trying to figure out, okay, so I'm, you know, 66 now. Am I going to make it to 75 or what? Well, my birth date's before 1960, so it means I will have to take my RMDs at 73, unless they change the law right. going forward. But it was yeah, just like, could happen. yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and I was wondering too on the investment side. I mean, that can mean a lot more money staying in the investment part, yeah. the, the markets, because of people like, because we have a lot of clients. Well, I don't need it, but I have to take it. So it's a positive, I think, for the investment side as well as for some people deferring that because you don't need it, and who wants to pay the tax on it? Yeah, that's 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 a great point because a lot of people see this and they say, okay, that means I can do more conversions or I, I can just defer the tax. But you're right, Brent. What it means is, I mean, the main benefit or one of the main benefits of having these accounts is they're all tax deferred by nature. So all the income that you have in that account continues to be deferred until it's ultimately withdrawn. But now with a few extra years of your money staying in there, um, there's more tax deferral, there's more compounding, there's more growth. So, yeah, those accounts now have time to, to grow to be a lot larger, which ultimately will produce more income and more cash flow. And also, too, I mean, I know you work a lot with people on Roth conversions. I mean, it gives you now more time to really plan and kind of take advantage of the tax brackets while you're in retirement. So, I mean, that, it's as you said, you, you got to make sure you take advantage of the good because you're not going to be able to really avoid the bad many times. Right, right. <laughs> And, and one thing I was thinking too, and I know that our, our company actually does calculate the uh, RMDs, but is that based on age 100? I mean, and, and now if you go to 75, now you've got 25 years to take it out. I wonder if there's any talk about making that not age 100, but maybe 105 or 110, because actually people, I was thinking the, the fastest growing sector in our population right now is people in their 90s. 
Um, so more people will live, I think, over the next 10 years into their hundreds. Uh, any talk about extending that time frame? Um, they, so if you look at the, um, like a graph of the withdrawals and you're taking your RMDs and you're only taking that RMD, it looks like that the account will be pretty much zero by the time you're 120. Oh, 120. Um, okay. Yeah. So, but, but the, the point of that is, you know, with an extra three years of deferral, that means that there's three less years to take those withdrawals and you're starting from a larger amount. So when you do hit those, that RMD age, now those distributions are going to be even larger because you're going to be withdrawing from a, a larger account over a shorter period of time, which means, you know, it's positive that we get more time to plan, but it means it's more crucial to do the planning and the conversions and those types of things to make sure that between age 75 and 95 or, you know, however long you live, you're not getting absolutely crushed in taxes in, in those couple decades. Right. Right. So, all right. Well, Harrison, uh, thank you very much. Uh, enjoy your weekend. We'll see you Monday morning. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you Monday. All righty. Bye-bye. Uh, again, that's Harrison Johnson. as our financial planners at CFPs on a salary. I mean, he does strictly financial planning. He's not going to try to sell you any products or anything. Uh, you want a free consultation with him, go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. You can send an email there. Or you can call the office, 858-546-4306. Uh, That's 858-546-4306. And just he's on the prompt. I think he's number four, I think, on the prompt or whatever. Just listen to it. That there, so uh, that's Harrison Johnson, our CFP. Uh, got to talk about the workshop because uh, the yep. workshop is not that far away. It's January nineteenth, and today what is today? The seventh or something? So yeah, it's twelve days away. Twelve days away. So uh, seating is limited there. Uh, we do have it in our new office. We got uh, a nice place that we do our workshops now. But if you're really confused, what happened in two thousand twenty-two, and now you're not sure what to do in two thousand twenty-three. This is what we do in the workshop. We show you how to get away from the emotional roller coaster, how to, you know, play the stock market. We show you how to invest properly and how to really reduce your emotions investing properly by using the fundamentals. It is free, but you got to show up. You got to sign up for it. It is Thursday, January 16th at six o'clock. Go to the website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And I promise if you do come, you will learn something there. I've said this for, for years. No one's ever said, oh, I knew everything you talked about because we talk about so many different things and show you so many different things um, that you will learn a lot. I think when you come to that workshop and you'll be a better investor. So, Absolutely. Smartinvesting2000.com. All right, let's talk about uh, the stock market here because now that the books have closed for a Yeah, I think, I think it'd be good to talk about 2022 yeah. since we're talking about 2023. Yeah. And this is why you want to come to the workshop. Yeah. <laughs> now that the books have closed uh, on 2022, the final numbers show that the S&P fell 19.4% for the year and sits more than 20% below its record high. The NASDAQ, which has all those growth stocks and so forth, uh, fared even worse as it fell 33.1% for the year. And while there still uh, remain many questions about the economy, interest rates talked about these questions already, this was something interesting. The, historically, stocks have done well following a losing year. In fact, the stock market on average rebounded by 15% in the next year following a year when it lost more than 1%. And again, I'm still looking for a very bumpy road in 2023, as we said, but you look at history. 
doesn't necessarily mean we're going to get 15%. As I said earlier in the show, I think it's going to be more in that mid to high single digit range, but I still think it's going to be a positive year. I don't think you're going to see another, you know, 20% decline in stocks as some people may fear. And what happens that the reason why people, they still feel that like, oh, oh yeah, stock's going to fall further because they look at the past. Well, it fell, so they think it's going to fall further. What we look at, like it fell, but now the values are better. And especially with the economy, as we say, staying strong, businesses have a lot of money. They've got the demand there. They're still trying to get employees. Businesses will do well. I think this will be a very good year again for the right companies, not for your high flyers. They're not going to do very well. But for the right companies, this will be a good year. And by the way, we did have the Santa Claus rally was positive. <laughs> it came in at 0.8% is what the return was for Santa Claus rally. And by the way, and I've heard all these different definitions, the true definition, which is the stock almanac back in 1971, is it's the first five trading days before Christmas. Yeah. Last five trading days. Last five day. days of the year. I'm yeah. sorry. Last five, tried, last five trading days of the year. And then the first two days of January. Yeah. Trading days. Trading yeah. days. And it's funny because you look at it, Oh, no, things. We didn't have that. No, you, you did. And it, it was below the historical average. I, yeah. I think historically it's in the 1% to 2% range. Historically right. is what you get. But it was below that level. But it still happened. And I kind of think the same thing we're going to see here in 2023 is historically after a more than 1% loss, you have a 15% gain in the yep. market. But I think it's going to be lower than average just because we were coming from such a high valuation standpoint that you're not going to have multiple expansion. Right. You're going to need to have earnings growth. And I, I think you're not going to see massive earnings declines or anything like that. You're going to see earnings revisions. But I, I think there's not going to be enough earnings growth to justify multiple expansion. And even with that, the, the S&P multiple is still not inexpensive. You could still see some multiple contraction there, which is why I think you're going to see a, a, a limited gain in the entire index. Yeah. And we talked about you know, you know the, the, the final numbers for 2022. The other one that we talked about was after the midterm elections. Yeah. Uh, we talked about this here on the show and the newsletter that one year later, the average return on the stock market was a positive 16 percent. Uh, and that goes back to, I think, the 70s. So there's a lot of reasons that and again, it's all based on value. This is why we do the workshop, because it's not on the hype or the momentum or this product. It's about what you're paying for the business. And if you're getting a good price on that business, you're going to do well. Yeah. And I, I think thing I do want to point out is just because it has happened in the past doesn't mean every time it's going to happen. But I think it's like 80% of time, close to 80% of the time, you're going to have a Santa Claus rally. Yeah. That's what happens. But guess what? That still means there's two times that it doesn't right. happen. Right. So hey. don't try and play the games, my, is my point as well. Right. Understand that things can still happen and understand your odds and where things lie. But I feel like if you try and play the odds, that's like gambling. That's why everything comes back to owning businesses for yep. us. And I'm not going to sell out before the Santa Claus rally and then buy back in. Like, that's trading. But it just kind of helps people understand things and, you know, make sure you're not sitting in cash. Yeah. That That's where you're going to get burned down the road. Yeah. The only time you should be sitting in cash is that if you're looking for something good to buy, yeah. you know, because, or you can't find something to buy. That's happened to us. We said, you know, if we're not, if we can't find something good to buy at a good price, we're not going to just buy something to buy something. Yeah. And we'll end with that with a closing bell. So thank you for listening to the Smart Investing Show. It is for informational person only and should not be used as investment advice. Let's discuss in more detail your investment needs, have other investment questions. Feel free to call myself, Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858 858- 
646-436-4306. And don't forget about the workshop on January 19th at 6 o'clock in Scripps Ranch. You can sign up, sign up for that by going to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And for more daily educational information on investment tips, go to our Facebook page, Smart Investing with Brent Chase. We'll see. Have a great day. We'll talk more next week right here on the Smart Investing Show. To think that I did all that.